Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Football Outsiders live stream here on November 21st, where we're going to be debating uh, the worth as a human being of Zach Wilson and the Minnesota Vikings and many other topics. And with me is, hey, you're not Ian O'Connor. No, I'm not. It's it's the boss, Aaron Schatz. It's a Monday edition of our Thursday show because it's Thursday is Thanksgiving and we will not be doing a show then. How you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I had an interesting week 11. It was an interesting week 11. You say interesting, and yet I know you were in Foxborough. So interesting, but not necessarily exciting. It was interesting tracking other games. <laughs> you had a lot of opportunity to do that. It was an interesting ending. It was a very interesting ending. I was like, please, please don't go to overtime. There is a belief that it is possible that the referees did not call a block in the back because they just wanted to end that thing and not go to overtime. 34 on 30, Mac, Mac Wilson on the... Yes, uh, the official word is it was a block in the side, not the block in the back. And if and even if, by the way, the, it was so far downfield mm-hmm. that even if they had called it and then taken 10 yards from that place, Nick Folk would have had a makeable field goal going in the direction of the wind. Yes. Still... There was sort of a feeling of, oh, maybe the refs just were like, oh, my God, this is a chance to end this. Let's all get warm. <laughs> and, and I agreed. We wanted to move on, look at other games. Um, but, uh, you know, the Jets are floundering. The Patriots are – they're not floundering. They won five of the last six. Their offense is floundering a little bit. But my question for you is, is your season-long fantasy team floundering, Aaron? Actually, No. <laughs> <laughs> I beat. I won. I won in my leagues yesterday, uh, thanks to playing. Everybody I played had two attack of Ilo on a bye week. But your season-long fantasy teams may be floundering. Yes, mine are floundering. Aaron is a is a all-purpose fantasy football professional. I'm sort of a goofball. My fantasy teams are floundering, and that's why I need underdog fantasy. And you can play on underdog fantasy with us. Double your first deposit up to one hundred dollars with the promo code Outsiders. So you can play Underdog's Battle Royale. That's a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft. Easier chances to win than traditional fantasy sports sites. And you can even win $50,000 if you grab first place. Or you can try the pickup games, and that's where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines. So it's it's over-unders, it's prop bets. But it's prop bets that are legal, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available like the great Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Yes. You cannot, you cannot prop bet. You can play underdog fantasy. I can prop bet and play underdog fantasy. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. So join us at the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog app. Use the promo code outsiders and double your first deposit up to $100. So now that that's out of the way, we've been talking Jets, Jets, Patriots already. There is a referendum on Zach Wilson rolling across Twitter right now. Yes. You were live for the for the Wilson Armageddon yesterday. And what's your take on all this? And he looked bad. Like, I mean, there's no getting away from it. Mm-hmm. My take on the game was I felt like it was more about good defense than bad offense. Okay. Guys were covered. Yeah. Defensive linemen were beating offensive linemen all game long. On both sides, the run was being stopped, particularly by the Patriots' defense, more than the Jets' defense. But I felt like that was just a strong defensive game overall for both teams. 
That being said, Zach Wilson did have some throws where he did have time to throw. There was one in particular near the end of the game uh-huh. where he had Elijah Moore on the sideline. Yes. And he had a lot of time to throw on that one. Now, for mm-hmm. once, the pressure did not get to him, and he overthrew Moore to where Moore had to catch it out of bounds. And then I was like, come on. Like, the <laughs> Patriots, like finally, the Patriots gave you one, and you couldn't right. hit it? Like. And I will agree, by the way, I mean, we, we, we can debate Wilson and talk about Wilson yesterday versus Wilson for the rest of the season, because I think mm-hmm. that there's a difference. Yeah. But useful title is right in the comments. Part okay. of the problem and part of the reason there is this referendum on Wilson happening on the Internet today is the post-game comments that he made mm-hmm. and the word from the locker room that the locker room is really unhappy with him. Right. Because he didn't really take responsibility for having a really bad game. Right. And the game could have been worse. Uh, you saw a ball bounce off Devin McCourty's chest. Right. In that game. There was another. Yeah, and then Jack Jones late had one that he dived for that he could have possibly intercepted that also, yeah. He, he dove for. There were, and there were just throws that were just ugly, ugly throws. And so, so that could have been a two interception game coming off of a two interception game a couple of weeks ago against, against the Patriots. And it's not necessarily just a Patriots phenomenon. My concern now, and I see you've got his DVOA posted up here on the notes, but my concern is when he's been good, it's been so noticeably scripted. It's been so noticeably, yes. here's where we're going to get the shovel pass or, or, or you know, the shallow cross to somebody in space to get that yardage. And when he's bad, it looks like he has no idea what he's doing. So what I wanted to say and what I said on Twitter that made a lot of people think that I'm a crazy person is you do have to account for the defenses he's played. Yeah, He has played by far the hardest schedule of pass defenses of any quarterback in the league this year. And before yesterday, he was bad, but he was not the worst quarterback in the league. If you look at his season totals, he's actually 23rd in pass DVOA. He's 27th without the opponent adjustments. He's 23rd with the opponent adjustments. Among the quarterbacks he is better than, Okay. In past DVOA this year mm-hmm. are Tyler Murray, slightly, okay. Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. Mac Jones, mm-hmm. and then the guys you'd expect, like Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, yeah, uh, Baker Mayfield, Justin right. Fields. Right. It's not exactly a murderer's row. I mean, I mean, you no, get it, this is not. I'm not. This is not an right. argument for why Zach Wilson is the long-term answer at quarterback for the Jets. <laughs> right. I just wanted to point out. His season as a whole has not been as bad as people think mm-hmm. and has not been as bad as yesterday. Yesterday, even after adjusting for the Patriots defense, was really, really bad. <laughs> really <laughs> bad. And especially because if you do watch the film, you see that there are plays where he was not pressured, where he just couldn't make the throw. Right. I guess one of the things that seems damning is the, the Patriots have faced Wilson Ellinger Wilson, and they look right. the same. They almost they almost look the same to me. They look the same on the on the stat sheet more or less. So Wilson is looking like the seventh round guy that the Colts threw out there because the GM and the and the head coach were fighting, and that's pretty damning. Uh, yeah, this is not an argument for why Wilson is the future. Right. I just I just wanted right. to point out to people that he has not been as bad as last year, right? And that the schedule does mean something that he's faced such a 
hard schedule. But I think, I mean, look, he's not the future. That's the thing is that yeah. even with what I've said, right? Right. Like, I think it's pretty clear that the Jets need another quarterback. There's some argument about, you know, given that they have such a strong defense and are in the playoff race, should they just go to Flacco? Right. Who at least would be much more of a caretaker. Don't lose games that the defense wins for you. Right. The problem with that is that their running game is no longer, they can't be a running and defense team any longer because their running game because of, whether it's Brees Hall's injury or a, a Ver- Tucker. Tucker's injury, like is not their running game is not that good right, right now. So it would just be a defense team, like not a running and defense team. I saw I saw somebody saying that uh, they'd be nine and one with Kenny O'Brien at, <laughs> at quarterback. If it, it, running and defense. Yeah, from, there's from the there are some years of Ken O'Brien <laughs> that they probably would be nine and one with Ken O'Brien <laughs> quarterback right now, but that's not years. the world we live in. <laughs> well, the flip side of that is the Pats, again, five of their last six, looking very good on defense, looking pretty terrible on offense. Yeah. Can they be, and I'm going to say upset because they're uh, they're three and a half point dogs, three point dogs right now. Can they upset the Vikings on the road on Thanksgiving night? The offensive line is such a problem right now. Okay. Like the fact that they benched Trent Brown and there was some talk before the game that it might have been an illness. Okay. But apparently after the game Belichick said straight out no that was a coach's decision that he didn't start. Yeah. So Isaiah Wynn played left tackle and then Wynn got hurt mm-hmm. and Brown had to come in and then David Andrews is now out for the year at center. Okay. Like the offensive line is such a problem and Mac Jones has been so bad under pressure. And the Vikings are going to bring pressure. Like they, they've got to Darius Smith. They've got Daniil Hunter. Mm-hmm. They're going to bring some pressure. Um, that being said, the Patriots are going to pressure the hell out of Kirk Cousins. Yes. The Vikings are 27th in pressure rate allowed on offense. In other words, uh, sixth highest. Like they've allowed a lot of pressure. Okay. And the Patriots are number four against wide receiver ones mm-hmm. and number five against tight ends. So they should be able to slow down Jefferson. I don't know if Belichick's going to do that thing he always does where he puts a double team on the best receiver and then puts his best cornerback on the second best receiver. Right. And um, they should be able to slow down Hawkinson. So, I mean, you know, I mean, our numbers definitely have the Patriots higher than the Vikings. The Patriots are 10th right now. Right. And the Vikings are like 20th or something. And useful title also points out Darasaw. Yes, they've already That's announced Darasaw will not play Thursday because of concussion protocol. Like it's not even a question. He's not playing. Right. Uh, which I mean, Matthew Judon, um, you know, uh Brandon Thorne's uh site where he tracks offensive and defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Matthew Judon, a lot of his sacks this year have been coverage sacks or what Brandon calls low quality sacks. You know, stuff that's been more schemed up. Okay. Than Matthew Judon beating his guy one on one. But it's not like the Patriots are going to stop scheming that stuff up against the Vikings. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That feels like a, like a, I mean, I, I get what Brandon's going for. It feels like a sort of a, a false dichotomy there. It's like, well, well, this team runs stunts. It's like, yes, this team runs stunts, and they brought Judon mm-hmm. in to help run those stunts and twists and things like that, and he's been excelling at them. Uh, but with Darisol, yeah, as soon as I saw that yesterday, I ran to look at the line. When I saw the Patriots are getting three, recognizing what you said on the offensive 
line. I'm, I'm just yesterday felt like a validation of DVOA and, a, and an indictment of the Minnesota Vikings. And maybe that's an overreaction. But, I mean, they were worse. <laughs> they were right. worse than DVOA. DVOA right. would not have predicted forty to three. That yeah. was their worst offensive game in the of the year by like a big amount. But yeah, I felt a little vindicated when right. the Giants and Vikings both lost. I felt a little vindicated. Yeah. Right. It feels like there's a little bit of course correction going on with those teams, and I feel like I feel like it might continue this week. This week, I you know again both both of those teams play on Thanksgiving, and I, and I see both of them taking a loss. The Cowboys face the Giants. The Vikings, um, the Vikings are the first eight and two team to ever have a negative point differential. Wow. And they are the lowest DVOA ever among eight and two teams. Right. There's two other two other eight and two teams that had negative DVOA. One was last year's Titans. Okay. And the other was the 2000 Vikings, who famously lost the NFC Championship game 41 to nothing. That seemed like a much better team than this Vikings. The Titans seemed like a better fit. Like, look at us. Well, the we Titans do- were uh, – the Titans last year were trending up. Okay. Right? Like, they had had problems early in the season, but had escaped with wins, and then they got better. Whereas okay. this year's Vikings are not trending up. They're not trending up. I mean, they, they just got slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> Publicly slaughtered. Um, you mentioned Judon, and I know I wanted to go into this because I saw you tweeting yesterday about the defensive player of the year race a little bit. Um, looking at the odds right now, and I'm not saying I disagree with these odds. Let's we'll put them up right now. Micah Parsons is at minus 310. Micah Parsons is at don't play this. There's no meat on this bone. It's not worth it. He's already won the award, guaranteed. And yet, Matt Judon having this phenomenal season, plus 550. You put a couple others up here for us. So Nick Bose at plus 800. And Max Crosby and Chris Jones, two guys also having phenomenal seasons at plus 2,000. How do you handicap this race? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree about Parsons. It just feels like Parsons' sacks and pressures, I don't know whether Dallas is just on more like 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. games, mm-hmm. but it just feel like they've been a lot more like obvious. Right. They're, they're like everybody's noticing them, whereas Judon is like the Patriots are playing at one, and oh my God, Judon has three sacks again, but it's against Samuel. Like, I what? mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, who's he sacking? Right. Um, I mean, I know that that's that's part of why I think I would vote for Parsons over Judon at this point. Now, that being said, I will say I went and pointed out our friend's Sports Info Solutions. Okay. Parsons is not their top defensive end. In fact, he's like 16th in pass rushers. Not, I mean, not defensive ends, but, you know, like edge rushers. Because he's actually been kind of mediocre against the run this year. Okay. And he doesn't have quite as many pass rush snaps and therefore not quite as much value as someone like Max Crosby. Mm. So Mm. I thought that was interesting. It didn't make me feel like I wouldn't vote for Judon, but it did make me scratch my head a little bit and wonder, are we overrating him because his plays are coming in such high visibility moments? Big high visibility games, like on, on national game. He's making splash plays in national games. In national games for a team that gets a lot of coverage. Patriots get a lot of coverage, of course, but like you said, a lot of times it's this one o'clock game that's now regional because they're not what they were a couple of years ago. I guess I guess I don't think of Parsons as overrated necessarily, but as a minus three ten favorite, prohibitive favorite, that just seems like it's off. 
I just feel like I agree with you. There's no money there. Like no. the, the money would be to take the shot at Judon or Bosa, I think. Right. Right. Um, I, I would I'm trying to think like who, who has the narrative? Mm-hmm. I mean, Judon has a narrative of he leads the league in sacks and the Patriots are the best defense in the league for the whole season, which right. I don't know if they will be because they're going to play Josh Allen twice and have major problems with him. Right. Um, but Bosa also, like San Francisco, if San Francisco wins the division and people will attribute it to their defense more than they will Garoppolo, and maybe Bosa leads the league in sacks because I think he's up there. Um, I feel like those are better bets. You know, obviously, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen over the next six weeks. We don't. And one thing, Bosa plus 800 now. They play tonight. Colt McCoy is probably getting the start. There's yeah. probably sacks sitting on the table right now. So if you're a Nick Bosa fan, if you believe in it, get it now. Don't wait till tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, because they, that, that that line could change a lot. I also went to close to the Offensive Player of the Year awards because it was interesting. I was wondering what was going to go on after last night's game. And I was stunned when I, I checked this morning at uh, my favorite book. And there's Tyreek Hill at plus 250, not surprising. Justin Jefferson at plus 350. He was way up in the stratosphere last week. There was a little bit of helium in that. It's come back down to earth. I'm stunned that Travis Kelsey is only plus 2,200 after a three-touchdown game last night, four-touchdown game a couple weeks ago, and the season that he's having right now. I agree. Is this just, well, tight ends never win this award, and, like, no one's going to – like, that's you're, you're a voter. That's not how you think. Like, I can't be a tight end. No, I mean, I right now I probably would put Hill. I probably would put Hill first. Right, but I probably would put Kelsey second, mm-hmm. and then Jefferson or Stephon Diggs third. Right now, also rolling across Twitter right now is the greatest tight end of all time conversation. Yes, which and... I I contributed my two cents, starting mm-hmm. with the fact that right after Travis Kelsey makes a great play, mm-hmm. is not the best time <laughs> to be really that's... honestly thinking about who the best tight end of all time. That's when we do it. That's how this is done. You know? It's a little bit of recency bias. <laughs> Never. Gronk, Gronk did not have three touchdowns last night. <laughs> he made some awesome commercials, though. Tony Gonzalez did not have three touchdowns last night. Mike Ditka did not have three touchdowns last night. Oh, I don't know. Man. What's your opinion? I mean, do you think Kelsey is? I, I like the idea of Gronk being peak tight end of all time right. in terms of his peak value that he's in there with, I, I guess, Kellen Winslow and Dick, if you go back to like a, a time before. And so much of that is he was a right tackle who was also a wide receiver. Right. You know, for those couple of years, and you don't necessarily have these long career numbers and you ha- don't have the injuries and you have the injuries and things like that, but that level of impact, he is essentially being evaluated constantly against pumped up wide receivers who blocked a little bit. Nope. That's kind of what Travis is the idea for folks who don't know. The idea comes from Bill James historical baseball abstract, which is that if you're ranking the best of all time, you really have to do it in two different ways. One is Mm -hmm. who's the best peak player. Right. And one is who's the best career player because you're asking different things. Right. And my opinion is that the best peak tight end is Gronk. Okay. And the best career tight end is Tony Gonzalez. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we're stuck with Gonzalez. You, like, things recede into memory. Years and years of the Chiefs just 
funneling their offense through him and being being a 13 and three team, you know, and having guys like Trent Green funnel him the ball. It's all just sort of blocked out in our memory. And he's a guy who's on TV talking now and then. And like you said, Kelsey is out there right now. I would still lean towards Gonzalez for all the things he accomplished along the way uh, for career value. And Kelsey's in that mix too for career value and for peak value. Yes. Um, but he's in that mix at second, third, fourth, et cetera. Yes. And if he plays like this for another three or four years, even if his career doesn't go quite as long as Gonzalez's went, he will have played a long, long time at a higher quality. Right. And he'll pass Gonzalez. But he and needs that- a couple more years to do that. And I still feel like at their best, you know, Kelsey two years ago versus Gronk in like 2011. Yeah. I'd rather have Gronk because of the blocking. Like that he he was that he was a blocker who also was as good a receiver as Kelsey. Right. They were able to go out there with the personnel groups that they had and be completely unpredictable. And the defense had no answers because if you went out with base against them, you get destroyed. If you went out with Nick one dime, you get destroyed. But it's not to take anything away from Kelsey's greatness or what he did last night. Remember I said my fantasy football teams do not are not bad. That's because the one in my home league with my friends from college is built around a Mahomes-Kelsey stack. So yeah. I'm currently winning this week by 50 points. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm sitting on Tyreek. I got him at about plus 350 for Offensive Player of the Year. I am very angry at what the uh, Houston Texans are doing to Bernard Three Pitbulls Pierce, which is feeding him to the line and stinking so he can't get Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, but I'm happy because uh, one of my long-term props paid off yesterday. I had the Eagles at plus eight and a half wins for the season. And they've already hit it. They've already hit that one. So there's a little, that was a little juice for what's been a very, very bad couple of weeks gambling for me. I'm not going to talk much about that here on the Monday show. But with the Eagles surviving a little mini almost meltdown yesterday and the Cowboys obliterating the Vikings, we now know who the two teams, I think we now know who the two best teams in the NFC are by far. Choose your fighter, Cowboys or Eagles. Well, the DVOA still picks the Cowboys, uh, picks the Cowboys now. The Cowboys yes. passed the Eagles this week. Right. I don't know whether I'm just hanging on to my preseason priors. Uh-huh. I still feel Eagles. I still feel Eagles. I feel like, first of all, they're more likely to get the home field advantage still. Like, yes, the Christmas Eve game between them is in Dallas. Yeah. And believe it or not, now the Eagles' schedule is actually harder than the Cowboys the rest right. of the Right. Right. The Titans are coming. But they have a two-game lead. Right. So part of it is that I do feel like the Eagles are going to have the home field advantage if they meet in the NFC Championship game. Um, I trust the Eagles' coaches more. I agree. Um, and I, I mean, I have faith in, I think I have more faith in Prescott as a passer, but um, I mean, both teams have phenomenal pass rushes. I do think the Eagles have better corners. Um, I, I don't know why I, 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 I kind of think Eagles a little bit. I still lean towards the Eagles. It's funny because the Cowboys passed the Eagles in DVOA this week, like like you will when you win forty to three, and the other team struggles against yeah. the Colts. But it's been like it's been like the election results in Maricopa County, where it's like you know yeah. a, a little a little dribble more information comes in and one goes the other way. The Cowboys still have that 
those Cooper Rush weeks in their data. Now they they won a lot of games in there, but I think their offense is trending in the right direction, right? Now. Yes, their offense is definitely they're number one now in weighted DVOA, where you lower the strength of the Cooper Rush weeks a little bit. Okay, so they're actually higher than the Bills in the weighted DVOA. Yeah. Okay, and that. And that's saying something. So, I, I'm going to lean with the home team here in Philadelphia as my as my fighter moving forward. I still have a prop for them to win the division that, <laughs> that yeah. I'm hoping to come true. But it's very clear that like anyone who's not taking the Cowboys seriously at this point, I don't even know what to tell you. Uh, you know, we saw the Packers game too. We saw you know that kind of yes. Thing I know what they've done in the playoffs over the yes. last 25 years. Yes, I know what happened in the playoffs last year. Yes. Yes, I know. We're all like. Everybody has these questions about Mike McCarthy. This team is really good and well-rounded. Both the Eagles and the Cowboys are really well-rounded, except, I mean, the Eagles have the problem run defense, right. but they did go out and sign two guys to try to solve that problem. They did, and, and they did start coming around in that game. Like, if you only watched the first quarter, uh, it was like, oh, my God, they just wasted a bunch of money on a couple of 30-somethings, and Jonathan Taylor is smoking them up the middle. And then it looked like everybody kind of got used to the speed of the game again and the, and, and, and the rotation and suddenly the, the Colts were shut down. By the way, this is off script a little bit. We were talking about schedules and it's like, yeah, the Eagles no longer have the easy schedule going forward. Giants games, you know, the, the, the Cowboys game, the Titans, et cetera. Have you seen the Cincinnati Bengals schedule the rest of the way? It's the hardest. In the it's, league. it's brutal. It's brutal. They did everything except bring the 1985 bears out of retirement to face us. Uh, Let's see if I can pull it up here right quick. It is absolutely stunning what the Bengals have to go through. Now, they will be getting Jamar Chase back in a little bit. That should help them. Right. Titans, Chiefs, Browns, after Deshaun has been back for a week or two, at Buccaneers, at Patriots, Bills, Ravens. That's hard. That's hard. That that is like the Chargers hear that, like, okay, good. You know, the Patriots hear that. Some of these other teams hear that. Like, yes, we have a chance. All the more reason to replace Zach Wilson with Joe Flacco. Yeah, I mean, if they want to make the playoffs this year, I mean, I think that we know now. I don't think we're going to learn anything in the next seven weeks that are going to tell us Zach Wilson is the guy going forward. So they might as well try to make the playoffs. Try to make the playoffs. You're the Jets. You need this. Um, Speaking of trying to make the playoffs or not making the playoffs, I don't know how much you caught of Broncos Raiders. A little bit at the end. Yeah. Well, you're up on the story. What is the state of Nathaniel Hackett right now, do you think? I mean, everybody knows. See, the thing is that the current owners didn't bring him in, so they have no ties to him. So there's no reason to keep him around if they feel like they could do better. Right. You think he can last the season? Yeah, I don't see what it – I don't see what they gain by firing him in the middle of the season. Right. I think I think the only thing saving his job right now is there's not a lot of experienced coaches on the on the staff to take over as the interim. Right. Right. When you you take play calling, you give it to Clint Kubiak. You over you kind of step over your offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator is kind of a yes man, et cetera. I don't think there's anybody else there along the way. But he's really Hackett really put himself in this position where you know a couple of weeks ago he hires the clock management guru. You know, in the late game management guru, and now he's like brought in the play caller. Yeah, and they said yesterday one thing I did catch um, was they had fourth down, not fourth down, sorry, third. It was like third and eight or third and nine at the end, uh-huh. 
And they had their choice to either try to pass and get it or run and take 40 seconds off the clock. Oh, boy. And they passed. Okay. But apparently Hackett said after the game that Wilson was supposed to, if the man wasn't open, just take a sack. This is to run the clock. And Wilson didn't take the sack. He threw the incomplete pass. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he called a, a, 19, a 2013 Seahawks audible. And then, the and then the Raiders came back, and the Raiders needed that extra 40 seconds, and they used it, and right. they came back, and they kicked the field goal, and they won in overtime. Although they also have to figure out why nobody was on Devontae Adams on that touchdown pass in overtime. He was wide open. Very, very strange. Earlier on, he got a long touchdown. Sertain tries to pass him off to the safety, and the safety's not there. But you know, I always like to say these very, very good, great defenses will buckle. Guys will start pressing to make plays or guys will get gassed or whatever. And if your goal is to, like, you got to hold every opponent to 13 points, even the best defense is going to fall apart under yeah. those situations. So we might be seeing a little bit of that with the Broncos right now. Yeah, Broncos right. Yeah, Broncos actually dropped to sixth in defensive DVOA this week. So they dropped a couple of places because they let the Raiders have some offense. Yeah, and a couple of those gash plays will do that as well. We're about to – Get to winner of the week, loser of the week, everybody. Just a reminder, if you enjoy what we're doing here at Football Outsiders, there's a bunch of things that we would like you to do. And Aaron's going to help me with this because I never do these intros. First of all, we like folks to consider becoming an FO Plus member. Is that right, Aaron? FO Plus subscriber, you get things like DVOA on Monday instead of Tuesday, picks against the spread and over-unders, weekly fantasy projections, all kinds of fantasy research data. Uh, content like Derek Klassen's All 32 that you wouldn't get otherwise, Mike's DVOA previews on Mondays. So, yeah, lots of reasons to become an FO Plus subscriber. And there is some kind of Black Friday sale coming up. Right. So, so remember we said this- in the next couple days, it's going to be on sale. <laughs> so if you're listening, like on Friday, do it now. But if not, wait a couple days and do it. And this is great. If Obviously, if you're a fantasy player, there are fantasy tools that you can use. We. We've got picks and over-unders, and not just do we have the, our suggested picks, but all these tools you can use, like like breakdowns of against wide receiver one, you know, third down defense versus third down offense. You can make your own decisions. If you're a content creator like Aaron, like me, this is in a, this is absolutely essential stuff because you can get the edge on everybody else who's trying to blog about the team, podcast about the team, write about the team, because we've got stats that everybody across the industry uses including teams, and you can get them for a very low price. But check on Friday to find out exactly what that price is. Aaron's for a lower price. Huh? For a lower yeah. price on Friday. For a lower price. Or do it now if you're feeling generous. Okay, you can do that. But wait till Friday. That's fine. We also have a Discord. That is free. That is easy. So simple that even a boomer like me can use it. And the uh, address is at the bottom of our screen somewhere along the way. And uh, you can use that to communicate with us. Get fantasy advice just about any time. People post there. And... Live streaming during the games, all day Sunday, Monday night games, Thursday night games. On Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, I'm almost certain to be on that Discord with a beer in my hand and a lot of turkey in my belly talking about that Vikings-Patriots game, and a lot of the other guys will be as well. Yes, and um, also, of course, subscribe to the shows and watch us 1 o'clock Eastern time, uh, Monday through Friday. Although this week, of course, it'll just be Monday and Tuesday because of the holiday, but one o'clock Eastern time, these live shows on YouTube and Twitch. That's right. Now let's get to the winner of the week. Aaron, let's start with your winner of the week. 
my winner of the week is the Kansas City Chiefs for basically sealing up their division, beating their arch rival, the team that seems to play them harder than anyone else, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they were missing several injured wide receivers, showing that their offense works even when they're missing their top wide receiver. Right. And their odds of a one seed went from 31% to 43%. I just think it was a really nice, you know, even though it wasn't a big win, it was just a really nice night for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm looking at the notes you put up here. They win the division 99.5% of the time. Yeah, they've solved the, they've, they've sealed the division at this point. Yeah. That's unbelievable. From what we thought this division was going to be. I thought the Chargers, I had the Chargers as my favorite, but they've just been too racked with injuries. And Joe Lombardi's offense has been a terrible scheme. Right. And and you said about the receivers, like Kadarius Tony, the Giants fans will be shocked to hear this, but Kadarius Tony got injured or <laughs> Yeah, and no Juju Smith Schuster no and no Nicole Hardman. So Sky Moore, the much maligned Sky Moore came up and he had a couple couple of big receptions in that game. You could tell because every time he, he got a reception, he got up and like like Because every time he got a reception, Chris Collinsworth had to compare him to Julian Edelman. Even though Sky Moore is much faster than Julian Edelman, so I'm not sure where that comparison comes. They were both Maxion guys, I think. I, maybe that's yeah. Sky was a Maxion guy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Chris Collins was Michigan or something. He was from one of the Michigans, one of the, I think Central, one of the portions you, of Michigan. That's interesting. Useful title says, "Do you think Brandon Staley is in trouble in Los Angeles because of the expectations?" I feel like the injuries do a lot to explain what happened this year. Yeah. Again. Two rookies starting on the line, and we've talked about how Salier was playing well. You're kind of seeing that fall apart last night to a degree. It's like, yes, he's playing well when there's not a lot of ass from him, when you can roll away from him when you're playing quick game. That's been a factor. Obviously, we saw Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back, and that had a big impact. But before that, it was the bucket of screens offense. It really was. And uh, the other thing Staley has is he has Lombardi as a sacrificial pawn to push, push in front of trouble. If things go badly. Um, did I pick a winner? Of the week? I did. Uh, Joe Burrow and Samaje Perrine of the Cincinnati Bengals. We just talked about how tough their upcoming schedule is. Burrow throws four touchdown passes yesterday without Jamar Chase. Three of them to Perrine, who had to come in because Mixon was hurt. Tough nick and tuck game for the, for the Bengals against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They pull it out. They're putting themselves in a position right now to remain in the playoff chase, despite the fact that there's a brutal schedule coming up, and despite an injury that should have been a pretty significant setback for them. I did not have Samaj P. Ride in my fantasy league. Do you have him at all? No, I don't. I mean, good, <laughs> day, good day for whoever bought Samaj P. Ride in DraftKings or FanDuel, because yeah. he probably came very cheap and had a huge game and nobody expected the old Barrow Pirine stack that we all know and love very much. But again, big performance. And, and Barrow is demonstrating that week in, week out. He's being pretty resilient without Chase and getting and helping this team get some wins. Loser of the week. Who do you have, Aaron? I have the New York Jets as my loser of the week, not just because Zach Wilson played so badly and because they lost in such a brutally annoying fashion if you're a Jets fan. Mm-hmm. But because of all the talk about what's going on in the locker room because of the loss. Yeah. But that's my worry is the non-analytical stuff. Right. You know, that that's going to start falling apart for them. And um, and it all kind of trails to, to yesterday's game. Yeah. And that's a very Jets situation where it's not just that, okay, the player is bad, the player doesn't work out, but this complete friction situation kicks in. Yeah. 
Yeah. We saw many, many years ago with Geno Smith. And then we saw it more recently with some of the other quarterbacks. And they're always seemed they always seem to be down on the first round pick. They were down on Jamal Adams for a while. You know, they, they were it looked like they were down on Mikai Becton for a while before he got hurt. Now it looks like they're going to be down on Zach Wilson. Yeah. But and your your yeah. loser of the week? Houston Texans organization top to bottom. You, dear listener, dear reader, may have forgotten that the Houston Texans existed. It's okay if you did. Watched some of that Commanders game and is just stunned at how little is going on, how little effort is being put into to accomplish anything with this Houston Texans team. They go, they go out there pretty much trying to get the game over with. That game was over very early. There was a pick six at the beginning of the game. They were not able to stop the Commanders significantly. They're just – it looks like – I mean, calling it an Ask Madden system on both sides of the ball is like an insult to the people who, who, who program the Madden AI. Like this is I formation, run, run, pass, third and 12, you know, a screen pass is coming. Cover two, Tampa two, Lovey Smith, nine, 2004, but without the Bears defense on the other side of the ball. Just wait for it to end. And, you know, I was hoping that when Jack Easterby left the organization, there would be some sort of liveliness to it. Like they, they would be like, well, let's try something. And, and instead, and, and this is not, they're not that untalented, folks. They are not that untalented. You know, there's, they're as untalented as the Giants, maybe some of these other teams. There's no reason for, me, for them to be this terrible. Yeah. One of my biggest mistakes of the year was believing that the Texans had enough veteran talent. Right. And that Davis Mills was mediocre enough that the Texans would be mediocre, that they would right. beat some bad teams and they'd end up with like six or seven wins and that they were not like a horrifyingly bad team. They are. They're really awful. Right. They should be the Colts right now. And the Colts, we thought were going to be a step up from what the Colts are, but, yeah. but this team that kind of plays a lot of guys tough and loses, but can run the ball. Okay. And is but you're right. Like I would say that other than like, I mean, I do think Daniel Jones is better than Davis Mills. But if you compare yes. all the talent otherwise, the mm-hmm. Texans are really about as much talent as the Giants. I, I would agree. If you look at positions like wide receiver, yeah, I think that would be clear. Uh, you know, so I absolutely agree. So this is an example of an organization. I mean, the Giants have, like, what is his name, Andrew Thomas? But the Texans have yes, Larry McMillan's? Right, right. They have, they have a pro bowler on their end. Uh, Thomas is a player on the rise, but Tunsil's been on a, a pro bowler for many, many years. I think you can do some of the same stuff on the defensive lines. A lot of first-round picks on both sides of the ball, that, uh, both teams that are playing well. So, yeah, no excuse for this. Yeah, just a, no it's just a colossal management and, and coaching difference between the two teams. I mean, luck, but also management. And co- I mean, <laughs> management and coaching yeah. and a little bit of luck. Management and coaching, and then that sometimes makes the luck. Yeah. All right. I think we are done here, except for the final ad read, and that's a reminder to play Underdog Fantasy with us. You can double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. That's OUTSIDERS with an S. So you can download the Underdog app in the App Store or just visit them at underdogfantasy.com. And like we said earlier, please like, please subscribe. This is like currency here in the information economy. So if you hit a couple buttons for us, it didn't cost you anything, but it's like a big deal for us. Join the Discord. It will cost you a little something to be an FO Plus subscriber, but not that much, and you really get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, watch for the Black Friday sale coming for FO Plus. Going to give you guys a discount, so check that out. Ready for Thanksgiving, Aaron? I am. I'm ready. Uh, we're having lots of guests, but I'll have the TV on. And uh, you know what? 
really good games. The fact is Thanksgiving is five teams with winning records right? plus a team on a three-game winning streak. Right. This might be the most interesting trio of games I've seen in a while, in part because the Lions have made things interesting for themselves. So yeah, but game. especially the other two games, like we did not end up with mismatch. Like the other two games are, are really good games. Right. I will, I will be cooking dinner, eating dinner, and then I will be sitting down to those late games can't hardly wait. You can see my Bell's Poultry seasoning and my canned goods. We are ready to roll here. Folks, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Who will be, will we, we do have a show tomorrow, Aaron? I will be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock Eastern with Brian Knowles and Vince Verai for the FODVOA data show. And then that's our last show of the week live. That's our last live. We're going to do some other videos, but that's our last live show of the week. Before no rest for the wicked, Aaron. Thanks for filling in on short notice, sir. And folks, you will see me. Again, face-to-face next Monday with Ian O'Connor doing the show. And then next Thursday with Aaron Schatz. Until then, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Black Friday. And we'll see you on the flip side.